of the act of redemption was an act of mercy on your part, Father, because we earned none of it. Father, we were qualified for none of it, and yet you chose to do it, Father. And so we thank you for your expression of mercy that you've given to us, all these great and wonderful promises, Father. And Father, we thank you that having deserved none of it, we have access to all of it. Father, we give you the praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them all, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. And um, if we can get it settled in our hearts that, you know, we were deserving of none of the blessings of the Lord, but he chose to give them to us anyway, you know, you'd never get an attitude of, you know, I'm so wonderful, so amazing, and um, look at all the great things I've done. You'd realize that the Lord has given us all of these things because he's the Lord and he's mercy upon us, and just leave it at that. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5. We'll continue there today, so... Um, and um, this section of Dr. McCrossin's book, he is going through uh, James chapter uh, 5 here, looking at a couple of verses, and these are common verses that we use in order to help people obtain healing, and uh, they're, they're, uh, these verses have been attacked over the years as not being relevant or not, not meaning what they, what they say they mean, uh, really to do away with the concept of divine healing. Uh, and again, people are still doing that. You know, this book was written over 100 years ago, and people are still uh, doing things to say that the Word of God does not mean what the Word of God means. And, uh, and it's not just the uh, uh, people who are outside the Pentecostal circles in the church. Even people inside the Pentecostal circles will tell you that, you know, uh, healing is not an absolute. That sometimes it's God's will for you to remain sick. In fact, the Pentecostal church got a hold of that phrase, Lord, if it be thy will and turned it into, you know, divine words from heaven, even though the Lord never spoke those words. You know, only uh, a leper spoke those words. Uh, and so uh, there, the, that attack is still just as relevant inside the church, uh, inside the Pentecostal church, as it is outside the Pentecostal church. And, of course, if people outside the world, outside the church itself, in the world say these things, then, you know, we don't really care what they say. But a lot of people have been, unfortunately, misled in the church uh, by such teaching, and so it's good to look at uh, on occasion. You know, we don't want to spend all of our time. There's an area of Bible study called apologetics, which is just uh, the study of arguing, right? And so people like to do that, and they like to do study apologetics and argue every case, you know. Uh, really, if you just know what the Word says and believe what the Word says, that's all you got to know, amen? Uh, because a lot of times people say, you know, uh, prove to me that this means this or that means that. I'm like, I don't have to prove it. I already believe it, so why do I have to prove it to you? If you don't want to believe it, that's not on, my, um, on me, right? Uh, of course, uh, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith it's impossible to please God because those that come to God must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And uh, Brother Hagen tells a story uh, many times of a fellow that he was preaching at a, a church and, and uh, it was an older fellow had come up to him after the service and says, you've got to prove to me that God exists. Uh, and uh, Brother Hagin quoted that verse there, Hebrews eleven six says, that you must believe that God is, and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Uh, and uh, he said, if you don't believe that God is, then there's nothing for me to do, goodbye. Uh, you know, he wasn't going to make the case, he wasn't going to argue the case. If you don't believe that God is, then there's nothing for me to argue. I'm not going to prove, I don't have to prove, God didn't have to prove himself. You know, God could just show up physically to every human being on the earth, and they would all believe that he exists, Amen. 
but there's no faith in that. There's no faith in what you observe that, you know, you just know it, right? And so uh, you must believe that God is. And of course, he says that his creation testifies of his existence. And so that should be sufficient, right? Just go look at a bird or a cloud or a blade of grass and you'll know that God exists. And so only rebellious people don't want to believe that God is. And so it's not my job to, to appease your rebellion and your lack of, uh, of uh, believing in the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so I don't, I don't like to get into apologetics, but sometimes it's good to know uh, if there's common things, why people don't believe in healing, maybe because somebody told them some of these things, then it's good to, to understand why those things are not valid. And of course, you know, all the different books we've gone through over the years, um, uh, we pretty much have uh, found things in each of those books that, you know, don't really stand scrutiny against the Word of God, you know, their opinions or their ideas of things. Uh, and so, because uh, we're not beholden to any book that is written uh, as gospel, only the gospel is the gospel, amen? Everything else is men's ideas and revelation, but sometimes, you know, we inject our opinions or thoughts into the revelation from heaven, and sometimes we get those things wrong. So um, uh, basically, you know, if, if you're studying or, or you're listening to somebody, uh, if they prove to you from the Word of God what they're saying, that's fine, right? Accept it and believe it and go on. But if they give you an opinion of things or even their insight in things and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then you, you, you are no, under no obligation to accept it. Uh, and, and so you can reject that. You don't have to reject the person because, you know, everybody gets things maybe a little sideways on occasion. And so... I know very few people that that, uh, uh, that what they teach is not one or two things that you may disagree with them on, amen? Uh, and so, and sometimes it's just a matter of, well, I see it this way and you see it that way. And that's okay, but some people, they'll, they'll say, well, I don't see it that way with things that are obviously that way. Right. Uh, and they just don't want to believe it that way. And well, then, you know, you can't help people like that. But sometimes, you know, sincere people can see the same thing two different ways. Uh, and sometimes those ways may, be, may both be valid. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you've got to find that path for yourself, what the Word of God says, and, uh, and, then, um, and stick with that. Amen. And so, so here uh, uh, it says in verse 15 of James chapter 5, it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, then he shall be forgiven him. And, of course, the context of that is that the elders would come and, and pray the prayer of faith. Uh, and so uh, because of that phrase where it says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. They say, well, see, that says save the sick. It doesn't say heal the sick. So therefore, it's not talking about physical healing. It's talking about spiritual salvation. Uh, and of course, uh, that, you know, when people make arguments like that, you know, it's, just, it's really like an amateurish kind of argument because, well, our responsibility is to study the Word of God, right? Uh, Paul told Timothy, study the Word of God, to study to show yourself approved under God, uh, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if you can rightly divide it, or rightly understand it, or rightly explain it, then you can incorrectly or wrongly divide it and, and wrongly explain it. So you can just as well um, misunderstand the scriptures and, and, and make it say something that it doesn't say just as well as you can do it correctly. Uh, and so we went through last week and spent some time on that word which had save and showed how that's a Greek word sozo, and it's a generic word that kind of, that means in general deliverance, but it means deliverance in, in multiple ways, and, and, and how that's applied uh, will determine the context of its meaning, right? What are you being delivered from? And so in some cases, we looked at uh, the, the first one 
where it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in that context, he's talking about uh, salvation, the born-again experience, right? But it, the word saved in the born-again experience is really more encompassing than just uh, the born-again spirit. It's talking about all the blessings of the, of the kingdom of heaven that comes along with your, your being um, uh, brought into the kingdom of God, into the family of God. And so it's the born-again spirit, but it's also the blessings of the kingdom of heaven, also the spirit of God. All of those things are included in your salvation experience. And so there is an aspect of salvation uh, as far as your eternal destiny being set in heaven in the word sozo. But then we looked at the word sozo in relation to uh, physical harm, where the disciples uh, seemed like there was always in a boat, you know, crying out to the Lord for salvation. But two different times they were on the boat, storms happened, winds happened, and they were threatened to, uh, the boat appeared to be uh, uh, under threat of sinking. And so they said, Lord, save us. So they weren't talking about their spiritual uh, status with the Lord. They were talking about their physical deliverance from the harm that they were, they were fearful to experience. Now, they weren't really going to experience that because the Lord was with them. Uh, but, you know, their, their fear overrode their faith. Uh, and so they cried out to the Lord, Lord, save us. So that's the same word, uh, sozo. Uh, and so it still means deliverance, right? So being saved spiritually means you're delivered out of the world, delivered into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, being saved from the winds and waves means you're delivered out of the, the destruction that could occur because of the winds and the waves. Uh, and then the last one uh, was several instances of healing. And it says uh, sometimes where it says that uh, your faith has saved you, uh, but the context is they were saved from physical, uh, uh, physical sickness and disease uh, and sometimes the translators translated it correctly. Sometimes they translated, your faith has made you whole, but sometimes it says your faith healed you. Um, and so in the context of that, they were delivered from, from something, but they were delivered from the sickness and disease. So sozo does mean to be delivered, but you have to understand the context uh, to know how it's applied because it's, it's, not a, it's not a very specific word, right? It's a general word, means deliverance from just whatever's bothering you, right? In any realm, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and so uh, then how you use that in a sentence would determine uh, exactly what it's intended to mean. Uh, and so the translators here, yeah, it's the King James translators translated as the word save, but the King James is not the original translation of the Bible, right? It's not the Bible wasn't delivered to us in King James. It was delivered to us in Greek, in the Greek language. Uh, and so other translations will will call it uh, uh, will heal the sick, uh, and so and in some translations, you know, they're kind of on that same opinion that it only means spiritual salvation, uh, and you know that, that's just people like that. Oftentimes, they already have an agenda that there is no supernatural God, no, no supernatural aspects to God, and so they kind of remove uh, anything that appears to be supernatural or miraculous from the Lord in, in the writings of the Word, uh, and so. So uh, all of that to, be, to, to say that uh, the word saved there uh, can mean healing, physical healing from sickness and disease, just as much as it can mean uh, deliverance from um, uh, natural disaster or deliverance from the, the spiritual wickedness of the world and being delivered into the spiritual kingdom of heaven. Uh, and those are perfectly fine, right? Any Bible scholar that's, that's worth the merit would tell you the same thing, right? It's not... Uh, this is not hard to understand, uh, and, and I know we're kind of belaboring it a little bit, but people make these cases, and they're not valid cases, and, 
And if you're not a student of the Word, if you're not going digging a little bit to find out what these things mean, then you may accept uh, those types of arguments that, that God doesn't heal, that He only saves you spiritually. Uh, and then if you look at the word sick there, where it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick, again, that word sick is a, is a kind of a common word in the Greek language, and it means to be tired, to be exhausted, to be sick or ill. So it's not talking about, about being spiritually separated from God, which is what the, the salvation experience uh, resolves. It means to be tired, to be exhausted, sick or ill. Uh, and, uh, and so spiritually speaking, you really can't, be that way, right? If you're saved, you really can't be that way, right? And so, um, so that's talking about physical uh, sickness. And if you look at every other case where that particular word is used, again, it's used in the context of physical healing. Uh, to raise up, same in the same verse there, uh, means to uh, exactly what it says, to raise up, right? But the, the, the other, one other case where it was used was in the book of Mark, and we'll just me- mention this here in Mark one thirty one. Uh, it says, uh, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, right, or raised her up. So that's the same word, same Greek word. Uh, and so uh, in a lot of these cases, it, it's helpful. You don't have to be a Greek scholar because there's plenty of dictionaries, uh, Bible dictionaries that are available. Uh, you don't have to know all the tenses of these verbs, you know, in the Greek language. Now, I don't know any of them, but uh, uh, most of the time, just looking up the original definition of these words is sufficient and you can get into deeper studies and find out uh, where this word came from, how it was used in the secular world before it was used ever in, um, in the Bible, because these words oftentimes predate the, the uh, writing of the Greek New Testament. And so that you can go back in history and find out how were these words used uh, in the context of the society. Uh, and, and the Lord used that language to write the, the Bible in the New Testament. So he would have used, if it meant sickness in the world, physical sickness in the world, he would have used that same uh, definition when he wrote the Greek New Testament. He wouldn't have changed the definition. That wouldn't make any sense, right? Well, we're going to use all these words, but they don't mean anything that you ever heard what they meant before, right? And so uh, then that would really confuse everybody, amen? How would you even translate something like that? So, so, uh, and then finally, uh, one of the arguments, and he actually later on spends even more time than this, but one of the arguments uh, that is made is that the, the book of James uh, was not written to the church. And I haven't heard that one. I've heard that the first, first John, people argue that first John was not written to the church. But again, you have to ask, ask yourself, well, why are they making that argument? What's the, what's the intent behind them saying that? And so for first John, you know, the primary reason why they say 1 John is not written to the church is because 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. And so there are people in a church who believe that the church doesn't have to ever repent of sins. That once you're saved, you never have to repent of sins. And so there's this inconvenient verse called 1 John 1, 9, so we can't have that. So let's get rid of the whole book. That way we are not responsible uh, to follow anything in that book, even though the book is full, full of the phrase beloved, beloved, right? Uh, beloved, do this, beloved, do that. Now you're children of God. Now you're sons of God. Uh, and now you're young men, right? Uh, and so, uh, but none of that means anything, uh, according to some, some uh, people. Uh, and so you've got to be careful when people are starting to, to um, get rid of the word of God because they have an agenda behind that. So their agenda is if we get rid of 1 John, then you can't make the case even though 1 John is not the only uh, 
book that says for the church to repent. They're actually that uh, uh, repentance from sin is common in the word of God. In fact, the Lord uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when he's talking about the man who's sleeping uh, with his stepmother, uh, Paul said, you should, have, you should have repented instead instead of glorifying in, in, this, uh, in this man here. Uh, and so, uh, so the same thing is, is uh, the same argument is used to attack the book of James that it's not for the church because if it was, then healing is available for the church. So we can't have that. So let's get rid of the whole book. And then that way, you know, uh, uh, we can't uh, make the argument because uh, healing ended with the Gospels uh, and maybe the book of Acts. But after that, you know, it doesn't belong to the church because this uh, context here of James chapter 5 covers a whole scenario after the apostles are gone, right? Elders of the church have been in the church as long as there's been the church. Uh, and so we can't have that. So let's get rid of the whole book. And that way we are no longer uh, required to believe in healing. Uh, and so people oftentimes will do make such uh, uh, amazing statements and arguments that this book doesn't belong to us. Uh, and, and I'm well satisfied that I know there's all kinds of arguments about this or that. I'm well satisfied that the Lord was careful to, to give us, us the 66 books that he wanted us to have. Uh, and that's sufficient. Amen. Uh, and the Catholic Church has added 14 books called the Apocrypha uh, to, uh, to the Bible, most of the Old Testament books. Uh, and uh, after the, the 66 books were um, canonized, uh, was it 500 A.D., something like that, that they did that. Uh, and, um, uh, and I've not read any of those books. I just know about them. Uh, and, but they don't really change much doctrine. They're mostly just stories of things. Uh, and so uh, I'm fine with what we've got. Amen. I don't need to read anything else. You know, people, well, have you read this book or that book? Uh, you know, the book of Enoch, anybody read the book of Enoch? You know, I've never read the book, of, don't, don't plan on reading the book of Enoch. You know, Maccabees, you know, I, don't, I just, uh, I got plenty to read as it is. And so um, I think I'm fine with where we're at. So, so they do attack that. But, you know, if you go back to the, even the book of the beginning of the book of James, it says in James uh, 1.19, it says, wherefore my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Uh, well, uh, if it says, uh, my, my beloved brethren, then it would be, unless he's talking about his only brothers and sisters, right? His, his, uh, but I don't think he's talking about his brothers and sisters. So I thought I'm going to be talking talk about the church there. Uh, and so, so they, they were trying to say that, um, uh, that uh, because they forget about uh, verse 19 there, that it's not part of the Bible, but if you read verse 19, it, it clearly talks about, um, it clearly talks about uh, beloved brethren. So it's written to the church, amen? Uh, and of course, if you made that argument, then, then really there's no New Testament book that's available to us today because the book of Romans was written to the folks in Rome. Or do you live in Rome? Well, then it doesn't apply to you. So it's rip out the whole book of Romans, right? I mean, you can make that case for every single book in the Bible, right? Uh, and so, I mean, the book of Luke was written to Theophilus, well, are you Theophilus? Is your daddy's name Theophilus? Well, then it's not that imply to you throw it out, right? And of course, Luke wrote book of Luke and the book of Acts together. Uh, they were originally one book and, and uh, throw, throw them both out. Well, that just, you know, by the time you get done with it, then you've got no books, right? Because uh, the Old Testament was written to the nation of Israel. Are you, do you live in Jerusalem? Nope. Tel Aviv, anywhere? In, no, well, then the whole Old Testament doesn't apply to you either, so... So there's uh, basically uh, the index is the only thing that's valid for you today, right? And so, uh, so 
you know, when people make arguments like that, they're not sincere arguments. They're just, they're, they're, they've got ulterior motives of trying to remove responsibility on their part to believe and have faith. Uh, and so just ignore that and move on. Amen. Uh, and so uh, now he, he does talk a little bit about, um, we'll go back to chapter five there. Uh, Dr. Cross does talk about uh, here in um, chapter five about the prayer of faith. Uh, and he, and he kind of makes the case that uh, this prayer of faith must include faith from both parties, from both the elders and the sick person. And he uses um, uh, Mark chapter 2 as an example. So we'll turn back to Mark chapter 2. We'll look at that example that he gives. Um, and so... Uh, <clears throat> and so Mark chapter 2 is a story. Uh, it's the same story as... Um, in Luke chapter 5 there. Uh, and so uh, let's start in verse 1. It says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise, to, uh, noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they came unto him, bringing, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Uh, and when they could, could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had uh, broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy was laid. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Uh, and so the point here is that uh, uh, Dr. McCrossan is saying that, well, of course, Jesus had faith, but also the sick person and his friends had faith. Uh, and so therefore, it's necessary that uh, everybody has faith for this to work. Uh, and although, you know, I understand wh what he's talking about, I'm not really sure that that's, that's really valid because uh, just turn over to, uh, to John chapter uh, 5. And we'll look at an example there. And so... So... Uh, uh, of course, we know the story, right? And, and, and starting in verse 1, it says, uh, or verse 2 there, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Anybody heard of uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital? Uh, well, it's, that's where they got the name from, right? And so it makes uh, uh, ungodly people mad every day, which makes me happy, right? And so uh, in, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now a long time, he had, now, he had been now a long time in that case. He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? So now oftentimes Jesus will ask a question of somebody to find out where they are in faith, right? Remember he asked a blind man, What should I do unto you? Which is like the most captain obvious question you can ask a blind man if you're a healer, right? Uh, you know, uh, what would you like? I mean, you know, what do you think they're going to answer? Uh, and, and of course, they, but they answered a faith, Lord, that we might uh, receive our sight. He said, be it unto you according to your faith. Amen. Uh, but so he asked the same man, you know, what do you, what, do you want to be made whole? Now, a person of faith says, absolutely lay hands on me right now and it'll be done. Is that the response that this man gave? No. He said, uh, sir, I have no man when the water's troubled to put me into the pool. 
but while I'm coming another step down before me. So what he's saying, it's not my fault. I don't have faith, but it's not my fault that I'm not healed. It's somebody else's fault that I'm not healed. So the man was, was explaining to Jesus that he doesn't have any faith to get healed. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, uh, years ago I was reading this, and well, that's not the question Jesus asked him. He didn't ask him, do you have anybody to put you into the water? That wasn't the question. Do you want to be made whole? A person of faith, absolutely. Why do you think I'm here? But that's not what he, you know, he's, he, you know, so now he, you know, and he'd been here apparently a long time, uh, and he had just basically lost hope, right? He had lost all faith uh, in, in his getting healing, and uh, instead of pointing the finger at himself, realizing that he had lost hope, he started blaming other people for his lack of, of achieving things of faith. It's that person's fault over there. You know, I've got the faith to be healed, but, you know, because uh, they keep cutting a line in front of me, it's not my fault. Well, you know, don't we all do the same thing on occasion? Lord, it's not my fault. Now, well, that wasn't a question that Jesus asked him. Uh, and so, of course, so what did Jesus do immediately after that? Uh, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And the same day it was a Sabbath. So the, the point of this story here is to show that there are cases, and there's other examples too that we can look at. Uh, there are cases where the receiving party has no faith. Uh, but now he's not in unbelief, right? He didn't say, because uh, there's different levels, right? You can go from faith to doubt uh, to unbelief. Uh, and, you know, faith is, of course, the best way. But you're, if you're in doubt, you know, that, that's just, you don't know which way to pick. Now, the, you, the end results are the same, right? Because James says, if you're, if you're double-minded, you shall receive nothing of God. So doubt can't get you anything. But doubt is not hard against the Lord, right? Unbelief says, Lord, I know, I know what your word says. It's not true. And in that case, the Lord can do nothing. But the Lord can work through people's doubts sometimes and override it if somebody else will have faith on their behalf uh, and overcome that, just like this man here. He was in an area of doubt. You know, it's not, it's not my fault, right? Uh, uh, I want to be healed, but it's not my fault. So the man didn't have faith, but he, he wasn't in unbelief either. So the Lord was able to help him uh, in this particular case. So uh, at the end of the day, what you have to come to the conclusion of is there's no law. In any situation, uh, there's no law about how you operate. Uh, and so the, the best thing to do is find out really where that person is. If you're the, if you're the elder or you're, you're the one going to do this, the praying or the laying on of hands for somebody, it's good to find out where they are. Uh, because if you say, well, uh, will, I, will you receive healing when I lay hands on you? And if they say something, well, I hope so, well, then they're not in faith, right? And, and so sometimes you'd be like, well, there's nothing I can do. Uh, and so you have to yield to the unction of the Lord in a case like that. Lord, do you want me to pray for them anyway, even though they're in doubt? Uh, and a lot of times, I mean, I know lots of stories, Brother Hagin, other ministers, if people say things like that, they'll just go on because they know they're not going to get it, right? Uh, in, a, in a case like that, oftentimes if they're in doubt, because uh, James does say that, uh, you know, that man, a double-minded man, will receive nothing of the Lord. So doubt uh, is, a, is a big hindrance sometimes, not always, but sometimes you can override it by your faith. Uh, but if, if you say, when I lay hands on you, are you going to be healed? Absolutely not. Well, then there's no point, right? They're in unbelief. They've made a decision. Uh, then uh, you might as well just move on without praying for them because you're wasting your time. Amen. So in all of those cases, you really need to be led by the Spirit of God anytime you're dealing with other people. If you're dealing with yourself, it's one thing. But if you're dealing with other people, you really have to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, if they say, you know, uh, when I lay hands on you, you're going to be healed 100%, absolutely, just do it now. 
Okay, fine, then you're on the same page. Pray for them. You know, you're both in faith. You can pray for them, and they'll get healed. Amen? Now, if they're in doubt, you got to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? If they're on belief, you walk away, right? I mean, so, so the only time really that you got to uh, uh, know for sure what heaven wants you to do is if they're in doubt, right? This man was in doubt. Well, apparently the Lord, uh, the Father sent Jesus there, right? He pa- bypassed it because it says how many people were there. There was a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered. He went to one fellow. And that man didn't have faith. <laughs> and so, but he went to him. Uh, why? Because the Lord's merciful. Amen. So, uh, you know, Dr. McCross makes the case that, that both parties always have to be in faith. Uh, I'm not really convinced of that. Um, uh, it, you know, how much faith did, did Lazarus have to get raised from the dead? Uh, none, right? How much faith did Peter's mother-in-law, who was sick of a fever, you know, and she was delirious, right? Uh, if you're sick of a fever, how much faith can you express? Well, none. Did Jesus heal her? He did, right? So, so the receiving parties, uh, are, are they required to be in faith? No. It's, it's best if they're in faith. That's the best, that's the best guaranteed uh, situation that, you, that you're, you know you're in faith. Uh, and if they're in faith, then together you combine your faith and you get the job done. But, you know, if they're not in faith, you find out where they are. Uh, and if say, well, uh, when you lay hands on me, I'm going to uh, start to feel a little better. Okay, that's their faith. You know, they're not going to be instantly healed, but if they're going to feel a little bit better, well, then that's as far as their faith can go, right? And some people, when they're, when they're sick, they want you to believe God with them, that the doctors know what to do. They don't have any faith for supernatural healing, but they have faith that God can supernaturally provide wisdom to the doctors. Okay, but that's as far as their faith can go, then that's as far as you can go with them, amen? So, you, so it's good to find out where they are uh, and if they're, if they're good at a certain level, then you don't override that faith, right? Uh, if they say, well, this is how far I can go right here. You know, if the Lord says, you know, sometimes the Lord will do that, but it would be rare, right? And it's rare that the Lord would go and heal somebody like this, but he did. Uh, but uh, it's best if they express their level of faith, this is where they're at, it's best never to override that because they're not going to believe with you for that, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, sometimes in our zeal, we will override people's faith. No, no, you'll get healed 100%. Well, their faith's not there, so uh, is your faith there? That's the, you know, if you got that faith, that's fine, right? But maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, you know, if, if you're dealing with yourself, you should always know where you are in faith, amen? Uh, and if you, if you know how to believe God in faith for those things, then just believe God, amen, and, and be okay with it. Uh, some people still struggle in the areas of, of healing, uh, even having gone to a Pentecostal charismatic church for years, they may still struggle with, I'm not sure if the Lord's going to heal me. It's unfortunate, but they still do. Amen. They still think, well, maybe there's a cause for it. Maybe there's a reason they have to stay sick. Uh, and um, uh, I think it's unfortunate, but, um, you know, and people like that, they tend to be people that, that, that just refuse to walk in faith, right? That God is a healer every single time without exception, because it does, it does put some responsibility upon you. If, if God is a healer, then you're responsible to believe that God is a healer. So uh, if they say, well, we're not sure that God's a healer, see, then they're not really responsible for that. And, and you know, people uh, oftentimes don't want to be held responsible for their own life and actions. And so it's, it's not that we're trying to be hard on people, but God has laid it down pretty clear. If you believe that he's a healer, you can remain in health all the days of your life uh, without exception. Uh, and that's not really putting anybody under pressure but if you don't want to believe God, right, or, you know, 
Now, I know, I know, you know, on a rare occasion, it's, it's on a smaller percentage, but I do see this on a pretty regular basis. Some people like their sickness and disease. It's like a pet, right? They take care of them everywhere they go. Oh, have you seen my cancer, you know? I mean, it's, it's, I take it with me everywhere I go, you know, and it's hard and it's awful, and, uh, but all they want to do is talk about their sickness and disease like it's a pet. Uh, and, well, you know, God can heal you. Well, what would I talk about? If I don't have my pet, the cancer to talk about, what am I going to talk about? Uh, and, and so they don't really want to be, they don't want to really be healed because they're the center of the world because they can tell everybody how bad their life is. Uh, and I, it's, it's just a weird, I, I know it sounds weird, but it's true. There are people who just relish in their woes. Uh, you know, and there are certain people, I know when I was with my pastor, there are certain people I would never go up and say, hey, how's it going? Because they'd, uh, they'd put their dump truck in reverse and beep, beep, and just unload on you, right? Oh, you know, the dog died, the cat died, the bird ate the dog, and the cat ate the bird, and uh, all these things happened, and, you know, my, uh, my washing machine blew up, and my dryer ate the, ate the stove, and, uh, and my car ran out of gas, and, you know, my bicycle had two flat tires, and I mean, it's, sorry I asked, right? And, and it's all the devil does this and the devil does that. And some people, that's how, that's how they get attention about how bad their, their life is. And, and look, you know, maybe, it's just, maybe I'm just mean or something. I don't know. It doesn't affect me at all. It doesn't impress me. Your, your death and destruction that you're living in does not impress me at all. I just, you know, it's like blah, blah, blah. Because you can get out of it anytime you want to. But I know people that are that way for decades in their life, decade after decade, just death and destruction all the time in their life. And they kind of relish in it. They kind of, oh, well, you know, my life is so hard. It doesn't have to be hard. You can live days of, life, of heaven upon the earth. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, there are, there are plenty of cases where the receiving party, even in the word of God, didn't have any faith. The Lord did heal them. Amen. Uh, and so, so you can't make a law. Uh, and that's the thing in studying the Word of God or in relation to healing. There's no law. You can't hardly find a law uh, in the sense of here's how you always do it every single time. Uh, that you always go pray for somebody no matter what. But if they're in unbelief, it's a waste of time. Amen. Uh, and if they're in doubt, you really should check them with heaven what he wants you to do. Right? The Lord wants you to do. Um, and so, uh, but, other, but if they're incapacitated, if they're in coma, right? How much, how much agreement can they agree with you if they're in a coma? Well, they can't, right? So you need to know from the Lord, Lord, do you want me to pray for this person? Amen. Uh, maybe you pray for them to be, to, to be forgiven first. And then you pray for their, their, their healing. Amen. Uh, and so, so um, according to, to Dr. Crossan, if one party was not in full faith, then they couldn't receive healing. I just, I'm not sure that's, I think that's too strong of an argument to make in that case there. Amen. Uh, and so, the Lord is gracious and merciful in many cases. He was merciful to the man at the pool of Bethesda, wasn't he? And so sometimes he can be merciful to other people in your life. Amen. So the, the key, though, is the elders should be the ones who always have faith. Amen. The receiving party may not have, have faith, but the elders should always be in faith. It's the prayer of faith. So who's praying the prayer? It's the elders. So, so they should always be in faith. If they're not in faith, then you're stuck, right? And so why are you calling for the elders of the church if they don't have any faith? Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you, if, uh, you get elders with no faith, you might want to get you some different elders, right? Uh, and so we've got, we've got some good elders around here. So that's the end of, of, uh, the, the, that reason there. So he's going through six main reasons why we need to receive the Lord as our healer. Uh, and, uh, that's the end of that. So, so now we have, uh, questions, right? Uh, and so that's why it's called healing school because we have questions that you have to answer. And so, 
uh, but, but the nice thing about it is there's no grade. So, um, all right, so we ready to answer some questions? All right, so what are, what are two reasons given in this section that healing is still for today? The Great Commission, where's that found at? Uh, uh, it's uh, the, the primary one is in Mark 16. Uh, there, he does kind of repeat a, a condensed version of it in Matthew 28. Uh, but uh, the primary one is in Matthew 16, uh, where it says, The believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Uh, and what's, what's the second reason uh, that healing is still for us today? He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And, and um, also, we just, we're just reading in James, right? Calling for the elders of the church. Are there elders in the church today? Well, then healing should be still available to us today, right? If there's still elders in the church. Uh, and so, and, and then in reference to uh, James that we were just reading, is the sickness mentioned there in James chapter 5, spiritual sickness or physical sickness? Physical, physical sickness, right? There is no such thing as spiritual sickness that can be healed. Uh, and so, and yet, anybody ever heard that doctrine? I've never really heard that much because the circles I tend to hear, you know, people that, that actually know something about faith, right? And so, uh, but, you know, uh, all of our experiences are different. So, uh, anybody ever heard that phrase about spiritual sickness? And uh, uh, you have, really? Well, so, okay, so. Uh, There's no such thing as spiritual healing, right? Right, there's no spiritual sickness. But some people believe that, right? Uh, and, um, and again, oftentimes what you see is that uh, when they start talking about the, the concept of spiritual sickness, it's really trying to excuse away their actions about why they're acting the way they, they're acting, right? Uh, and so, uh, so how do we know that uh, the sickness mentioned in James chapter 5 is actually physical sickness? How do we know that? What did we read about the... What's that? Four reasons on page 28. Uh, four reasons on page 28. Um, and so uh, the primary one is if you look up the word sick, right, the definition of the word sick and, and where it's used in context uh, in the New Testament, uh, how often is it talking about physical sickness? Every single time, right? Uh, it's always talking about physical sickness. So... If every other case used in the New Testament is talking about physical sickness, then it's reasonable to assume that James chapter 5 is also talking about physical sickness. And for, it to, to, for you to change the definition of the word sickness in James chapter 5 compared to how it was used everywhere else in the Word is not sound, uh, sound studying habits, right? You don't say, well, this is a unique case, but you have no other reason to say it's a unique case other than you just don't like it to be uh, mean physical sickness. Uh, and so, uh, are there sick who are supposed to call for the elders in James chapter 5, Christians or the lost? Christians, Christians right? Because uh, elders of the church, right? Uh, and so, if the elders of the church, then the people calling for the elders of the church should be Christians of the church. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, again, uh, how do we know? And the reason we ask that question is because uh, people say this is not for the church, right? The James chapter 5 is not for the church, but it's the Christians who are supposed to be called for the elders of the church. So then how do we know that James was written to the church? The Bible tells us so, the Bible tells us so right? We read that in James 1.19, right? This is beloved brethren, amen. So, so he didn't say 
those of the world outside the church, this book is written to you. He said, beloved brethren, this, this uh, book is written to you. Uh, and so if the prayer of faith uh, will save the sick, who should have faith? Ideally, who should have faith? Ideally, right? Both parties should have faith, right? Could it be that only the elders have faith and the uh, sick person doesn't have faith? Or, and, and even that, it's sometimes that the sick person can't express faith, right? Because if they've got a fever and they're delirious, they may be a person of great faith, but they may not be able to express faith. And, and uh, I know uh, my pastor years ago, he had been diagnosed with, with uh, uh, I think at that time, he had uh, like hepatitis B or C, one of the uh, blood diseases that affects your liver. Uh, and to, to correct that, they put him on these really strong uh, drugs for about a year. He had to be on these drugs for a year to correct this hepatitis. Uh, and I was talking to him one day. He said, you know, this, this medication is so strong that it makes my head cloudy all the time. He said, I just have a hard time ever getting in the spirit because uh, I, my mind is so, so cloudy. Uh, and so if you can't get in the spirit, you're not going to be able to get in faith. Uh, and so he, he was just uh, commenting about how difficult it was to be on this medication and be a person of faith. Uh, and that's the, that's the way it is oftentimes, too, when people get so sick that, uh, yeah, they're on medication to maybe recover, but uh, because that those medications oftentimes have strong side effects, it can affect your mind and uh, limit your ability to, to yield to the Spirit of God because of the, the, uh, the, uh, the drugs that you're on, right, the medication you're on. doesn't mean you shouldn't do it or should do it. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. But it, it does uh, help us explain, you know, well, then a person like that, they need an elder with faith to come and assist them, amen? Their desire is to be healed. They know they can be healed, uh, but as far as them actually expressing faith, sometimes they're limited because of their circumstance. Or if they're like, well, like Peter's mother-in-law, she was uh, sick of a fever and in bed, and so um, she was definitely unable to express faith. She, now, she may have been a woman of great faith, but in that moment, she was unable to express it, Amen. And so the ideal is that both parties have, have, uh, uh, have faith. Uh, and uh, one thing I always encourage everyone to do is anytime you go up in a prayer line, right? So if there's a prayer line called for, for healing, you should always go in faith, amen? You should, uh, it's not to your advantage to just go, well, let's go see what happens, right? Because if that's, a, if that's your mentality, then that's really kind of doubt, amen? Because you're not sure if, it's gonna, if you're going to receive healing, so you're really in an area of doubt. If you're in an area of doubt, then your healing will, would only come as a mercy of the Lord, right? He chooses to have mercy and override your doubt and unbelief. Uh, and if you sure go up there, watch, nothing's going to happen when I go up there. Then you're actually a person of great faith because you will get exactly what you just said, right? Yeah. You'll, uh, and so, uh, but if you're an unbelief like that, you're never going to have it. So if you go up in a prayer line, you should always go with the expectation, Lord, as soon as they lay hands on me, I will receive everything that I'm going up for. Uh, and that's, that's allowing you to remain in faith for that. Amen? Uh, and so, so that ends, uh, that ends the, uh, the, the fifth reason. And the last reason in this, so he, uh, he broke his book up into divisions, right? And under each division, then he's got uh, different reasons. And here he's got six reasons for this division. So we're, we're, uh, this last reason then is reason number six is because of the promises that the Lord gave us, right? So the sixth reason why Christians should expect God to heal them today is because uh, His words, 
because of his marvelous promises, the fulfillment of which depends altogether upon the exercise of our own faith. Uh, and of course, that says a lot of words there. But you know, one of the things that I've always loved about the Word of God is you know, the, the, the Word of God is not given to people uh, of special character or special position or you know, only to apostles or to leaders of the church, uh, and only they can have faith. Uh, you know, I remember as a young Christian, I'm just a teenager, and I'm watching Brother Copeland on TV because, you know, by law, as a, as a young charismatic Christian, you're required to watch Brother Copeland, right? Uh, and so uh, I'm watching him and just listening to the stories of faith that he tells. And I, and I just, you know, I was almost um, disheartened thinking, oh, I can never have that kind of faith. Because here he is, this great man of God, and I'm not trying to, to you know, disparage Brother Copeland at all. In fact, the opposite, right? Uh, I, I'm thankful for his life of faith that he's led and has delivered to the church and has shown as an example of how to walk by faith. But when I looked at someone like that, I thought, you know, who, who can walk in that kind of faith? Who could have that kind of faith? And I just thought it was so far away from me that, that nobody could have it except for a very select few. But, you know, as I continued to read the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God, I realized... You know, faith is available for everybody. And faith is really simple. Just do you believe what the Word of God says? It's not complicated. It's not hard. And he wasn't trying to make it complicated or hard, but I had no understanding and background of faith, so I didn't know how it worked. Uh, but uh, what I, what I uh, came to the conclusion uh, after a while is all you have to do is read the Word of God and say, yeah, I choose to, to believe that that's so. That's all faith is. It's not complicated, right? Here's what the Word says. Do you believe that's so for you, right? That, so just believing it's so in general does not really faith. It has to be believed that it's for you, right? Can you call for the elders of the church uh, and have them pray the prayer of faith, and will you recover? Well, it's yeah, that's what it says. Okay, well, then you're in faith, right? Now, if you, well, you know, only certain people call for the elders of the church. You know, I'm not a well, then you're not in faith yet. But see, when you read the simple word of God, okay, I can call for the elders of the church, then come pray for me, and I, get, I, I can get healed. Uh, well, that, that's faith, right? So, uh, so really, as a child of God, let's turn to uh, Matthew 18 real quick, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll have some more discussion about that. But really, uh, he's, he's talking about his marvelous promises of the Lord. Uh, as you read the Word of God, you should be looking for promises from God because he intentionally wrote these for our benefit, amen? It's not, you're, not being, you're not being selfish by looking for the promises of God, what he wants to give to you, because he wrote these things. He wrote them for a reason. He wrote these things because I want you to know what I've promised you, and if you'll have faith, then that promise will be delivered to you. Because the Word of God is the same for everybody, but it's only uh, active for those who choose to believe it. So there's plenty of people who read the Word of God and go, that ain't for me, you know, or that's not so today. Well, it's still true, but for them, it's of no value. Amen? And so as we read the Word of God, we should be, we should be looking for promises and, and then and really what I do is when I'm looking for a promise I also look for what's my responsibility in this promise because if God just says just do whatever you want to it doesn't matter I'm going to give it to you okay that's a great promise but you don't find that promise is anywhere in the word of God right we read this morning Romans 10 9 and 10 that you'll be saved but what do you what must you do before you get saved believe in your heart and confess with your mouth right and so there's responsibilities so it doesn't just say, well, just believe that you'll be saved. That's not, the end. That's not the end of the promise. The promise says, yes, you'll be saved, but there's some things I need you to do in faith 
before you receive the promise. Amen? And so what you'll find is the vast majority of promises have prerequisites on your part that uh, if you do these things, God will absolutely do his things. And so the only side that there's an if on is if you're willing to do your part. If you're unwilling to do your part, God is unable to do his part. And if you understand that that's the basic premise of his promises, that if you'll do your part, I will always do my part, the Lord talking, uh, then that's a pretty good deal. Amen? So uh, the only wishy-washy part is your side. There's no wishy-washiness on God's side. He didn't say, if you're in perfect faith, if you got this promise, I might do it for you. Well, that's not much of a promise, right? You know, I just might, I might do it. I might not do it, but I might do it. Well, that's not really, you can't take that to the bank, right? But, but if God says, if you do this thing, I will guarantee to do it. Well, you can take that to the bank. Because, well, Lord, I did it. Well, I said, then you're qualified, right? And so he, he's look, he just looks at a, a couple examples here. In Matthew uh, 18, uh, verse 19, it says, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Where two or three gather together in my name, there I, there I am in the midst of them. And so this is, we call this uh, the prayer of agreement, right? And, and why is it a prayer of agreement? Well, because it's uh, two people have to agree, amen? Uh, and so, uh, Jared, can you, um, well, that's, not, that's a different verse there. Uh, it says here uh, that uh, the promise is that God will do for you, because uh, it says it shall be done for them of my Father which is heaven. So the Father in heaven will do these things for you. So uh, what's the prerequisite? What's your responsibility in this promise? He said, first of all, two of you, right? Uh, two of you must do what? Agree on earth as touching what? Anything. So, so you've got to have two people, right? So this is just the prayer of agreement, right? To, so is this the only way to obtain promises? No, it's one way to obtain promises. So you get with somebody else, right? Oftentimes your spouse is a good one to do that with. Uh, that uh, if two of you agree on earth, as touching anything. So did he limit it to anything in particular? We know in the whole counsel of God, you can't ask for sinful things. You can't ask for covetous things, right? You can't ask for envious things. Uh, but beyond that, it's a pretty big thing, right? Well, what about a car? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's fine, right? I think, I think a car would fit in that, in that verse, wouldn't it, right? What about a new job? Amen? Uh, the, I mean, a lot of things would fit in this verse. So you've got a, uh, two people, they've got to agree. So if I come up and say, hey, I've got an unspoken prayer request. Would you believe God with me that, that God answers that? Well, okay, but what am I agreeing to? Right? Here's a contract. Don't read Just sign it, right? Just sign this contract. Well, what am I signing up for? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. Well, and then you read it. It's like, what well, you asked for my firstborn male child. You know, I mean, I don't want to agree to that. You can't have my firstborn male child. You know, get your own firstborn male child. Uh, you know, uh, you ever, someone going, hey, uh, will you help me out? Well, let me find out what you, what you want first, right? You know, don't sign, oh, yeah, I'll be glad to help. And they say, well, you know, I need you to, you know, to work like a dog for the next, you know, 100 years for me. Well, I didn't, I don't want to sign for that, right? Uh, <clears throat> anybody ever been to church? Anybody got an unspoken prayer request? Yeah. Brother, I've got an unspoken prayer request. Yeah, I see one over here. I got an unspoken prayer request. Uh, please pray for that. Okay, what are you going to pray? <laughs> Lord, do that thing for them. And the Lord's like, what thing? That thing. Well, but what thing? That thing, Lord. Well, you know what he wants, right? No, he wants his neighbor's wife. Well, really? I didn't know that. Well, that's why it remains unspoken, because if you spoke it up, he'd be like, no, you can't do that. Shut up. Go to your room. Uh, and so, so there is no, there's no biblical principle for unspoken prayer requests. And yet, how many churches, services have you been to, right? 
Uh, brother, I've got an unspoken prayer request, right? And, oh, isn't that precious? You know, unspoken prayer. No, you can't have the prayer of agreement unless you know what the deal is. Amen. Uh, and so a, a lady came up to Brother Hagen one time and said, uh, Brother Hagen, would you, would you pray for me? Well, what about? Well, do I have to tell you? Well, well yeah, because I can't agree with you. I don't know. She said, well, she said, I just want you to pray that the Lord w- would, uh, would remove about half of my burdens because uh, the burdens I've got are too heavy for me. But if he could just remove half of them, you know, then I think I could carry them. I think I'll carry about half of them. Mm-hmm. Brother, no, I ain't doing that. First of all, he said... Uh, cast all your cares upon him, all your cares. So if you cast all your cares, how many burdens are you uh, living under? None, right? Other than, I mean, the, the burdens, there's two, again, there's two Greek words for burdens in the, in the New Testament. One means heaviness and weights, right? But other ones is, is responsibilities. She was talking about the, the heaviness and the weights, which we're supposed to cast upon the Lord. Uh, and, and so Brother Hansen said, I can't pray that. Uh, you know, you, 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 don't, uh, you don't need to have any burdens, and, and uh, maybe some woman, a different woman looked at him and said, well, you're a hard man, you know. <laughs> you're a hard man. Uh, and so, no, if you're going to pray their prayer of agreement, then you both need to know what the deal is. What are you agreeing to? Yeah. Amen? Well, so if, you're, if you do an unspoken prayer request, then do you meet the requirements for this verse? No, then this is not the prayer of agreement. Amen? And so it's, it's, not, it's not going to work. Well, I don't know why we don't ever get our unspoken prayer requests answered because you're not following the, the promise says the lord would he said the promise is that the father in heaven will do it for you that's the promise the prerequisite is you must agree two people must agree uh, and so if you're unwilling to to meet the requirements then you're uneligible for the the promise the results of the promise uh, and that's not hard to understand but that concept has lost a lot of Christians. I shouldn't have to do anything. God's merciful. What? He, he is merciful, but he gave us lots of promises with, with requirements. Amen? Do these things. Uh, and so he said, uh, uh, agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. Well, well, then asking is a verbal thing, right? Well, I just, I just think all my prayers. Well, that's not asking, right? You don't just, you know, you, uh, I don't come home and, and, uh, uh, and think my wife to, you know, make dinner, right? Uh, I just think, why hadn't she done it? I've been thinking about her making dinner all day long. How come she hadn't done anything? And she's like, I don't know why he hadn't got made dinner yet, you know? We're both thinking the same thing. How come the other one hasn't made dinner? And nobody, nobody's asking, so nothing's going to get done. Uh, and so, <clears throat> of course, I don't know that she's ever thought, I wonder why Chip's not making dinner. Uh, she'd be really sad if that was up to me, right? Uh, and so... You do whatever works in your life, right? I mean, none of my business, but, uh, uh, and so, uh, but they must ask. So what if you don't want to ask? What if, well, I just, I don't want to bother the Lord. If he wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Lord, if it's your will, give it to me. Well, that's not asking, right? That's, that's not a request for something, right? That, that's, that's wrapping up uh, spiritual sounding things in unbelief. Uh, and so uh, you're not really meeting their requirements. So uh, there's got to be two people They've got to know what both of, both of them are talking about. They've got to agree that this thing is an okay thing to agree about, uh, and, uh, and they must ask. And if they do those things, then the Lord will, will provide for them in heaven. Amen? Uh, and so I know uh, years ago uh, when I was working this job, and it was a good job, but it, was, it took about 30 minutes to drive to work. Not a long drive, but, uh, but because uh, it was a 30-minute drive, then... You know, I wasn't able to go to, to school lunches with the kids. And uh, if uh, Chris needed help during the day, if the kids were not well, 
it was really difficult to do that. And so uh, I worked this job, I don't know, five, six years or so. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. But then one day, you know, we, we never actually prayed about this. And we talked about it, you know. Uh, and so, you know, we've never actually asked the Lord to change the circumstance. You know, there's nothing wrong with the job itself, but, you know, the distance, we, we didn't like it. Well, uh, anything wrong with wanting it, wanting to be better? No, nothing wrong with wanting to be closer to the family and closer to home. Uh, and so it wasn't I was, uh, I was ungrateful for the position of the job that I had. You know, sometimes we just, you just need to put up with it. No, you don't have to put up with anything. Uh, you know, uh, in, in dealing with your life as your own personal life, you can always make it better if you want to. And so we decided, well, we're going to pray the prayer of faith. And our prayer was, Lord, uh, we want the same job that I've got over there, except in town, right? I want to do the same kind of work, but I want to do it in town. You know, I don't want to have to, because God doesn't take you backwards, right? He's not a God of, well, you're going to have a half a job, you know, but, but it'll be in town. You can have a good job far away or a half a good a job close by. Well, that's not the deal, because he did, did he say that? If you agree on anything, I'll give you half of what you want. No, he said, I'll give you everything, right? And so, so, so you should ask, right? You should agree. So, so we said, well, that sounds like a pretty fair, is there anything wrong with that? Does it sound, well, that's prideful. Uh, well, I don't know. It's not prideful to me. It sounds like a pretty reasonable request to be closer to your family. Uh, and so, uh, so we prayed that prayer. It was on a Sunday night. We prayed the prayer. Uh, and I went in the next day. And the very next day, uh, they said, they called a meeting. My boss called a meeting. He said, hey, this, this facility, this office is right here. They're closing them down. Uh, and so uh, you all are going to be evicted. So we weren't actually part of that facility. It was a manufacturing location. We were just happened to be, because we are the same company, our offices were located there. We could have been anywhere, but uh, they, they had that location there, so that's where we were. Uh, they said, well, we're closing it down in so many months, and so uh, we don't know what's going to happen to you guys. Uh, and, so, and I'm thinking, well, I know what's going to happen to us. You know, I'm going to get this job, right? Uh, and so a couple days after that, they said, to, uh, tell you what, why don't you guys just go to, to your hometown and just move your offices to, to our hometown where we live, right? Just take the exact same job and move it to your hometown. Uh, and, and like, really? Yeah. Uh, and so it took about six months to do that, but we moved the whole, exact same job, right? Because that's what we prayed for. Now, I didn't really, you know, that wasn't my intent. I mean, I was okay with that perfectly fine because I like the job, but that's like, like even above and beyond that I thought because I thought it like it'd be an equivalent job. No, it was the exact same job. We just moved it to our hometown. So, and it was actually closer to school and everything. And so it, was, it ended up being really good. Well, that's the prayer of faith, right? That's the prayer of agreement. Amen. Uh, and so is that a promise? Can we believe God for those things? Uh, are there any responsibilities on our part to get that to work? Yes. And if Christians would appreciate that, they so often just will not appreciate the fact that they have any responsibility to have any promise working for them. And and we're out of time today, but we'll look at some more examples of just the exact same thing where here's a promise. The promise here is that the, our, my Father in heaven will, will do these things for you if you, do the, if you do your part. Amen. We're not earning it. We're just meeting the requirements that the Lord has given to this promise. Amen. We don't, we're not earning it by swimming in ocean or doing some event for the Lord and, and proving our worth and value. Uh, we're worthy and valuable because we're children of the Most High God. But is it, hey, you need to ask, right? Uh, and just like with my kids when they were young, they'd come in and just, you know, dad, 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 we want this, we want this, we want this. And, and I would just stop them and say, look, number one, we don't beg. You want something, you ask for something. You'd say, dad, can I have that? Don't beg. Please, 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 please. You don't beg. 
because you're my child. You don't have to beg. You're not a beggar. You're my child. Because you know, I'm thinking long term, when they become an adults, if I, if I allow them to beg as a child, what are they going to do when they become adults and they have their own relationship with the Lord? They're going to think that they get some things where, Lord, please, please give this to me. Please, please give it. Well, you haven't asked me everything. You're just, you're just begging. Amen. You're not asking in faith. You're trying to use your emotions to manipulate the Father to give you things in heaven by begging him. And he said, there's no, there's no promise for if you beg me long enough, I'll give it to you. No promise like that. And yet, what have we taught our children all of, all of their lives? You've got to beg. And if you beg long enough, you know, I, I might just get annoyed at you and give it to you. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so we don't, we're not beggars. Amen. We follow the promises and the instructions of the Lord and we do that. So we'll look at a couple more examples because the whole section here is talking about the promises uh, and, uh, and I'm going to use his examples, but I'm going to show you our responsibilities in those promises. And the good news is, okay, that if I do that, then I get that? Yeah, okay, then I'm going to do that. A lot of folks look at, well, I don't want to do that. Can I still have the end of the promise? No, you've you got to do the. Well, I don't like that deal. Well, it doesn't matter. That's the deal, right? The deal is the deal. If that's the way the Lord instructed us to do it, then, then that's the way we should do it. Amen? Now, I think that's good news. But for some Christians, it's, it's a small percentage. For some Christians, they're really disappointed that they have any responsibilities of faith at all. Uh, and for them, they'll never receive anything of the Lord. It's not, I'm not condemning them, not judging them. But uh, it, to me, it's really simple. You do, you do A, you get B. Okay, can I get B without A? doesn't work that way. Yeah but, yeah, but I want it to work that way. It doesn't matter if you want it to work that way. It doesn't work that way. You do A, you get B. Uh, and that's, is that simple? It's really simple, amen? Uh, uh, and so uh, if you're willing to sign up for that deal, the, there's unlimited blessings that's available to you, amen? So I'm always searching the scriptures. Okay, that's a great promise. What do I have to do to get it? Amen? Uh, and, and you fill out the, you know, it's just like uh, your warranty on your, on your dishwasher, right? You've got to fill out the warranty card and send it in. Okay, can I just get the warranty? Just my magic, can you just, you know, no. They're not going to fix it for you if you've never sent the card in. Uh, and, of course, I know sometimes they make it impossible, right, to, to fill out the card, right? They ask for your, you know, what, what's the capital of, of Kansas? You say, why, why is it so hard to fill out this warranty card, right? They make it so hard. Uh, and, and so, you know, I know sometimes they do that on purpose, right, that if you, well, then we're going to make it really hard, and you can only mail it. There's no website. You've got to mail it in, uh, and it has to have, you know, uh, $18 of postage to make it in, right? And, and so I know sometimes they, they, but the Lord doesn't make it that hard. He makes it easy, Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we do thank you for your valuable and precious promises that you've given to us. And, Father, we'll be good students of the word. We will study and research, Father, and understand what, what you have put on us for the requirements to obtain your promise. And if you put any requirements in us at all, Father, we will be diligent to do that very thing by faith uh, and to follow your word and to receive the great and precious promises that you provided for us. We thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and so well, let's get ready to receive um, this afternoon's offering. I'm just going through my notes here. We've got all kinds of good examples here about that. So he's got all kinds of good examples. And, and what you'll find, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, I'm looking back on, on um, my walk with the Lord. It took me a long time to, to understand that promises have prerequisites uh, and it's not that it was hard to understand but i never really thought about it right and you just think well yeah okay agree and i can get these things and i'm always thinking about the things but I, but I, I wasn't paying enough attention to 
what's my responsibility in the things, amen? Uh, and once you see that, that's all you see. I mean, that's all I see now when I read the Word of God is, okay, what's my part? Because uh, God's going to take care of his part, but what's my part? That's the only part I need to be, be concerned about is, am I willing to do my part, amen? Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, thanks for the birthday cake and the birthday pizza. Is that a thing, birthday pizza? Oh, yeah. Uh, and so... Well, that's right. The kids had pizza parties all the time growing up. So I had a pizza party for my birthday today. So awesome, you know, but uh, a little disappointed they didn't have any meatloaf pizza, you know, so I'm uh, a big fan of meatloaf, you know, but we did have meatloaf uh, last night, right? It's become a thing that uh, I have meatloaf uh, around, uh, on around my birthday every year. So, uh, so praise God. Anyway, we'll be blessed and have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and you're dismissed.